Welcome, dreamers of all ages, to a bonus episode of Unbuilt. Today, uh, we're going to be discussing my trip to Retro Magic and other Orlando attractions. But before we do that, I have to bring in my co-host, Ryan Dorman. How are we doing today? I'm ready to live vicariously through your memories. Yes, perfect. Okay, so as we uh, talked about on our previous podcast, which was about what Dubai theme parks, we're going to take a big, small hiatus. We will be back uh, with a brand new episode very shortly in the month of May. But we're going to get this one quickly out before the end of the month. Uh, it's just as a little bonus episode. So I had the incredible incredible treat to attend retro magic which is an event it's an unofficial event hosted by the retro walt disney world podcast in the lake buena vista historical society and this was an event held at the contemporary resort on sunday uh and it was sunday uh april 24th i believe yes april 24th and uh, it was in the Contemporary Resort in the Fantasia Ballroom. Have you ever been to any of the convention center in the uh, Contemporary? When I got lost trying to find Steakhouse 71, I definitely walked into a, a couple. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, it was actually the exact opposite. So there are two convention center areas in the Contemporary. I actually uh-huh. got lost in the exact opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> trying to trying to find this one i was like wait uh, this is the ballroom in america so you want to be at the fantasia ballroom which is on the lower floor and i passed by steakhouse 71 which right. is it I, I really like the uh new entrance to the contemporary the new lobby it's very slick very nice it is like, really uh really really i guess modern which is mm-hmm. yeah right it's really really nice i think yeah uh so we were in the uh fantasia ballroom and uh, it was a very nice setup they had the i think it was called the lake buena vista village display and uh, i have a bunch of photos of this in the actual show notes and um i'll be posting these on twitter it's in my twitter uh open mother's mail as well but you can see it was just a bunch of crazy ephemera that they had there and uh, you could see like the photos like uh, the epcot center like these documents and maps and buttons and all you know retro postcards Uh, really really crazy stuff and like uh, old plushes like they had the kitchen cabaret plush Mm -hmm. (laughs) and skippy from alien encounter orange birds um but the really coolest thing was at the end of that you got to the uh to the booth of Ted Linhart and Ted Linhart. Uh, he owns DisneyDocs.net, and he has a bunch of his documents. And if you might remember, uh, if, if you haven't listened to this, you absolutely do need to listen. Uh, the episode we recorded in November uh, last year, which was uh, the space pavilion, the original yes. space pavilion. Yes. He actually, we, we referenced this document that he purchased online and put it out and he actually had the actual document that we talked about and so i actually got to he took it out of its case and put it on the table i actually got the leaf through it it's this gigantic document and i got to actually see uh the original document that proposed that incredibly boring version of (laughs) (laughs) and i got to see it up close and personal which is very cool Another booth had Jim Sarno, who was the creator of Smart One. 
Uh, he's an, a former Imagineer who uh, worked on original Epcot alongside Harriet Burns. Uh, they did a bunch of panels, and uh, one of his panels was actually about Harriet Burns and lots of incredible stories of, you know, the the pranks that they would pull while she, you know, was you know uh, working alongside her and like their relationship together and how close she got to Harriet Burns, who was one of the the first women in uh, Imagineering alongside Walt Disney. Um, and I believe it was her and Mary Blair were like one of the only two women in Imagineering mm-hmm. at that time uh, in WED. So uh, really, really cool stuff uh, just on the show floor itself. Uh, and then there was the... Um, actual panels itself. Um, do you have anything before we get into those? No, I, I'm really excited to hear about what panels they had on display. Mm-hmm. It seemed like it was a really uh, active community of people on the, uh, I guess on the, on the. I don't want to use show floor, but it seemed like it was a, a show floor kind of thing. Um, did you meet anybody interesting? Did I meet while anybody we're- interesting? Yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> before we get okay. to the panels. Before we get to the panels. Before we get to the panels. Okay, so it was very surreal. You're walking through this area, and some people had like little um, name tags you right. know, with their Diz Twitter name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know you got to meet a lot of you know dis twitter personalities and uh it was it was very much of a who's who on <laughs> that area um i'm not sure if it's like um remember when you went to the great movie ride uh, oh dear Walt God. disney world yes. today thing? many was, years ago yeah right i remember was, that. was that similar i guess oh, i didn't know i didn't want to talk to any other <laughs> people <laughs> You were just like, I'm not here. I'm not here. I'm exactly. Not here. <laughs> I, it's like I, I didn't. Yeah, at that time, uh, probably in a bunch of hot water because my articles were getting people angry. Mm, so I just right. yeah, kept the sunglasses on. <laughs> uh, but uh, the really coolest thing is, like, you would just see this this uh, one person talking to an an old man. But it's an old man that you've seen in so much stuff. It was Bob Gurr. Bob Gurr's just chilling. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so I just go up and I word vomit out to him and I'm like, you're, you're amazing. You're the greatest, you know, you're one of the greatest living Imagineers ever. And he's like, he's so polite. Oh, please, 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 please. And I got a photo with him, got to talk to him a little bit. So, you know, you would, you would actually probably want to know. So what, what did Bob Kerr really say to you? And hmm. all I could say was he was very polite, but I really didn't have much of a conversation back because I was so starstruck. Was so <laughs> right, starstruck. exactly. It was like I can. I think I blacked out. <laughs> I, I had a photo, <laughs> a photographic evidence that I met Bob Gurr. You don't do remember I, it? Do uh, I really you... remember much of it? No, because I mean, it's it's. What do you say to him? It's Bob Gurr. Um, so <laughs> I, I did meet a lot of people afterwards. Um, there is like George Wilkins. I got to meet. Um, and of course, uh, George Wilkins, he did the music for horizons and sunny eclipse and so many things that you've probably heard in the parks that would astound you. Um, the space mountain tunnel music, uh, for example, and, uh, Jerry Reese later on, I also met him. And of course, as I met, uh, Ted Linhart and, uh, Jim Sarno and such. Um, so we sit down for the panels and Lots of these panels, um, once again, uh, Ted Linhart had a panel talking about 
uh, the things that he's collected and and completely incredible stuff in his collection. Um, and I believe uh, Dave Vermeulen talked, and he was a an executive for uh, the Walt Disney World Resort, and he was responsible for bringing the Handwich to the parks, among other things. Um, Jeffrey Snyder uh, talked, and I believe he uh, resurrected a swan boat. And the actual swan from the swan boats, are you, are you aware of what the swan boats are, right? Yeah, yeah, in the Magic Kingdom, right? Yeah, they used to flow on the canals of the Magic Kingdom in the hub area. And he actually had a swan there, like from the boat itself. So you actually got to go up close and personal with one of the only remaining ones. And it's quite big. It is actually a really massive swan. Um, and Norm Inouye, uh, who I can never pronounce his uh, anyway, I can never pronounce his last name. Um, now, are you aware of who he is? I don't. I don't actually know who that okay. is. So, you know, the Epcot Center pavilion logos. I do know what that is. You do know what that is. He is the guy who designed those. Oh, and, iconic. Yes. And he sits down um, and talks about how he got involved with creating these uh, logos. And he's the guy who redesigned the Firebird logo um, for those classic cars. And uh, he got an opportunity to jump to Disney. And he discusses lots of things about uh, what the Epcot Center logos were and what they were meant to be. And what was fascinating about it was that, like the Imagination logo, you would think that it was a camera iris, right? Right. Well, because it was sponsored by Kodak, but it actually is a vortex. And that's what it actually is. It's supposed to be a flowing vortex. Like a and, vortex of creativity? Or what is yeah. the... Oh, I, okay. I so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Communicore Pavilion uh, logo is actually not only supposed to represent the shape of the building, but is actually... It's a C. So it's C for Communicore. Mm, um, that makes sense. Right. <laughs> uh, the Spaceship Earth logo was actually the last one designed because... They actually almost didn't give it a logo. They didn't think it needed a logo, but then they decided last minute to give it, it an actual logo. Um, so he sits down and like just explains each and every one of them, and you know how they came to be and wh- what they were, um, what the, what the process besides behind designing was. Um, right. Once again, just kind of really fascinating stuff. Uh, people were just going nuts for this guy. And, you know, you, you never think about, see, that's, that's kind of the difference of what I want to get into here is that at D23 or at a destination D, they would never have somebody to really go into the weeds like this. And that's what I really appreciated is that somebody is going actually into the weeds and it's not just here's Tony Baxter and Tony Baxter's going to talk. And don't be right. me wrong. I would love to hear a Tony Baxter panel, but this is extremely nerdy stuff and I really appreciated it. So we have first intermission, people go to the bathroom and then the Bob Gurr panel comes up and, um, on each table, there is a postcard. And on the postcard, you can write a question to Bob Gurr. So I write my question and I submit it. And Bob Gurr uh, comes on stage and begins this great panel um, where 
he just starts taking questions. And um, now I can preface this by saying that all of the panels will be online. Uh, they film them all and they will be on probably sometime next month. Uh, most likely when uh, retro WDW, they do their um, posthumous, posthumous episode about the actual event, most likely around that. Now, I can't tell you very much about this panel because I'm on vacation and I'm out of town and suddenly I get a uh, text from my pet sitter telling me that the door is not opening and my hmm. cats are now trapped inside my house without food. So <laughs> so I had to spend the entire panel like sweating, pouring sweat, just like furiously trying to get a locksmith over there and stuff like that. So I didn't see much of this panel. I heard a lot of laughs around me. So that's great. He did answer my question, which I was able to pay attention to. And it was in this rapid fire um, a lineup. And I asked, uh, because this is a pretty infamous story. Uh, I asked, how many Autopia cars did you push throughout your career? And this is an infamous, uh, uh, it's, it's supposed to tie back to how uh, the Autopia kept breaking down on op opening day. And Bob Gurr said, that uh, on opening day at the very start, there were 30 uh, something cars on the track. By the end of opening weekend, there was two. Hmm. So, so that, was, that was his answer to the question. Um, and that's, that's all I really can recall. Um, there was also another uh, one with uh, uh, Tom Nabby, Sully Sullivan. And a bunch of people who actually opened the park. Again, I was still dealing with my family emergency. Barely remembered that. But I was able to get everything in order by the time that the lunch happened. And you might have seen like photos of the lunch online, which was a bunch of handwiches. I you did saw see that. Right? I did see it. Okay. Yes, yes, I did. Yeah, it seemed like it was like a buffet style hand wedge mm. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, are you aware much of the hand wedge? No, I've, I've, we've all seen the defunct land video, Ryan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the hand wedge is, of course, a cone, a bread cone that you put fillings in and you eat it. Uh, it's uh, This is the first time I've ever had a traditional hand wedge. I've had the cozy cone one with the chili and i thought that was okay the one that's at california venture have you had those yes i have i have many oh boy that was uh many years ago i think mm -hmm. what'd uh, you think of that i i mean how much mac and cheese can you eat in one <laughs> sitting <laughs> right so these were smaller though these were for mm -hmm. sure smaller and the uh like the fillings were like a ter uh like barbecue chicken and taco beef Right. And stuff like that. You could top it off with cheese and toppings and stuff. Um, they did have also a bunch of cakes that were representative of the first like four anniversaries of Walt Disney World. Um, so there was like the year one cake, year five cake, year 10 cake, and year 15 cake, which mm -hmm. was bizarre. Um, so they had those birthday cakes and <laughs> they, they had uh, little sugar cookies with like classic uh disney world icons on him like uh one had the castle cake on it 
And one had uh, classic Epcot Center and the Empress Lily. So those were really cool. Like it was it was even like a themed lunch, which was awesome. Um, And they were actually quite good. Um, I don't know if the hand, which is my favorite thing. It's just like if I were to have like filling a bread cone, I'm not sure I'm in love with the idea. It's Mm -hmm. all right. But, you know, taco beef, I'd rather have a tortilla, to be honest. Um, but the, the lunch still was great, well prepared, and of course they fi- uh, they followed that up with some amazing panels about uh, the chefs, the original chefs of the uh, Walt Disney World Resort, and this was like an incredible panel, which like blew me away. You absolutely have to see it when it when it goes up. It's going to be called mm-hmm. "Feed the World: A Culinary Reunion." Chefs Keith Cow, Raymond Pitts, and Johnny Rivers, and these are the guys who opened the Contemporary and Polynesian, and set up all those menus. And it was just a really raucous panel of them talking about how much they wanted to bring actual you know talent to the resort itself um in the culinary tradition so um they talk about how they wanted to attend the culinary olympics and they originally disney world didn't want to pay for it because it was a quarter million dollars to send them to the culinary olympics and they got sent because Dick Nunes was told and Dick Nunes took a quarter million out of his own budget and gave it straight to them, sent them to the Culinary Olympics and they won. They actually won. Uh, and so it's cool runnings. Yeah. Right. And a, <laughs> and a bunch of them, they stayed as long through to like Disney MGM studios. Um, I believe one of them opened up, um, the Brown Derby and uh, Johnny Rivers. He's the one who like created the original uh, Tonga toast. Hmm. And they talk about creating that there's, there's some incredible stories that they tell about um, opening Epcot center and, <laughs> and like uh, some, in, uh, some hilarious stories about the, like the opening of captain EO and, <laughs> Uh, almost getting trouble uh, trying to get this like ice sculpture up the spiral staircase at the imagination pavilion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, I, I cannot recommend this enough, but the, the one thing that really stood out to me is at the end, they talk about how on main street, they have all the windows and that the, one of the windows that is missing is for um, the culinary union. Like none of the the chefs who created the food atmosphere of the Walt Disney World Resort aren't thanked, and mm. every and it's like, yeah, you're right. Where where is where are the credits for the food? Is that a rhetorical question? That is a rhetorical question. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here in silence. I don't have an answer for that. I, right. It's like The Simpsons. It's like, well, I don't know. It's I guess I'll find out. <laughs> it's like, 
Of course, it's a rhetorical question. <laughs> You're just gonna go. Well, I'll, I'll uh, phone up Bob Chabeck right now, and you know, right. I'll ask him. Yeah, for the couple <laughs> weeks he's here. Yeah, talk, get, talk to that PR guy. See what he can do. Right. <laughs> oh, um, well, he's gone. <laughs> yeah, right. Three months only. No, that, that's it's definitely a good point. I think that uh, that's the, the the interesting thing about those windows with the names is that a lot of them have to be the popular you know, names of the company. And, and of course there's people who aren't, you know, mm-hmm. the nationally popular up on there, but it is, it is definitely interesting that there is a big gap, especially for how important the, the culinary services at the parks. Um, and just how famous the food is. Like, yeah, exactly. Right. I don't think there would be I mean, you go the through, resort without it. So. Right. You go through the magic, uh, through the Walt Disney World Resort, and like, you know, the buses come by and it's like celebrating 50 years of turkey legs. Like, that's, mm-hmm. come on. Like, the food exactly. is so important. Such an important thing. Okay. So, uh, once again, next thing was George Wilkins. Um, and he did a panel about, um, orchestrating music for it. And uh, Tammy Tucky, who has a great podcast um, and is a great singer. She was accompanied by a pianist and um, performed a bunch of songs. And yeah, actually, I filmed those and I, they're on the Twitter. And uh, she actually does a bunch of the songs with like um, with new di- with new uh, new lyrics and mm-hmm. uh, that were unheard, like the Oa song from. Uh, under new management and everyone was like oh because you know gilbert Gottfried had just passed and uh you know the, the interesting thing is george wilkins was unaware that the space tunnel music was still there like still playing in the queue and was like one right. of the only things he thought that it was gone years and years ago so he was stunned uh, upon hearing that um, and so that was that was once again a, a fantastic one. He also um, talked about scoring, um, not scoring, but arranging the uh, music for um, a journey into imagination, like all the orchestral stuff. We know, like the Sherman Brothers scored one little spark, mm-hmm. but he also talked about um, arranging the score for inside the attraction because you know every scene had to flow in, into each other, and he actually talked about how. You know, he made each scene have to effortly flow in the transitions and such. But uh, the, one of the fascinating things is he talked about how uh, the original, you know, the laser show within it. Um, originally, the idea was it was going to be an animated figment with a laser projection of a ballerina. Right. I remember um, you tweeting about this right. uh, during the event. Yeah. And he actually, they, they played the cut music from that. Uh, portion um so hmm. hopefully that will go up soon i've um, already talked about the jim sarno um the jim sarno panel about harriet burns um and the final one was actually unfortunately the uh, event was starting to run long jerry reese came up and jerry reese he's the director of brave new uh brave little toaster and he directed a bunch of Disney attractions, such as Alien Encounter, Cranium Command, uh, Back to Neverland, uh, Rock and Roller Coaster, Dinosaur, and such. Uh, he came up uh, for a uh, nearly hour-long panel, which actually got cut short. He actually had a bunch of stuff he didn't get to 
uh, go into. Mm-hmm. Um, we were actually going to see some behind the scenes of the dinosaur pre-show, which we didn't get to see. But he did talk about Back to Neverland, uh, Alien Encounter, and Cranium Command. And uh, he went into three of those. Um, Back to Neverland, he talked about. Um, and we got to see some cut recordings of Robin Williams doing improv, which mm. was really cool. We got to see some source footage of the actual movie itself. He talked a bunch about working with uh, with Robin and with Cronkite uh, and just how crazy that entire experience is. Um, he talked about retooling Alien Encounter and um, a bunch of like pranks that they did on the set. We got to see that he did a, like a bunch of we got to see be a bunch of behind the scenes photos of be back to Neverland and Alien Encounter. Once again, mm-hmm. it's all up on my Twitter. Um, all those photos, um, you got to see like storyboards and uh, ba- behind the scenes of the actual set itself. And he told like great stories about like them retooling Alien Encounter, of like trying to figure stuff out. Um, and like how much sprayed to get onto the audience and how to like choreograph that. Um, and then, uh, he talked about cranium command. Um, and, uh, once again, a lot of behind the scenes photos and like how he, uh, went in to, to fix the attraction, um, because it was originally be done by another studio goes in fixes the attraction and then like shares a bunch of stories about um about like uh, uh stories on the set and working with all the celebrities and then once again it, it got cut off early there was actually a bunch of stuff once again we were going to see um behind the scenes of dinosaur he had some cranium command footage that we didn't get to see itself um and then the event ends but a bunch of us got to talk to jerry afterwards and um i actually got to ask him like a bunch of people were asking him questions about like cranium command and stuff and all the stuff he's done but i did ask him um about uh, related to our podcast about if there's anything that he worked on that didn't get made hmm. and he, the answer that he gave me was very very interesting um, so you know uh, about the 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 baby group, the Project Kiwi, right? I, I don't actually know what that is. What Wait, is you that? know the, the the little self-walking baby groups? Oh, okay, yeah. That there there was the it's a animatronic, right? Yeah, it's it's called internally as Project Kiwi. And why was it called Project Kiwi? I don't know. I asked Disney PR. This is what they, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the uh, he said that he is currently working in imagineering on that R&D side and that 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 is the tip of the iceberg and that he's very interested in seeing where all this incredible next level tech will go especially in relating to uh virtual reality spaces and he says that it's it's the tip of the iceberg and he doesn't know if any of it will come across in the future but right. if that stuff doesn't get end up getting built. It is some of the greatest stuff you'll never see. So, so it seems like Disney is worth looking into building uh, VR, like black box attractions or something like that. Possibly, I guess we, he was, we don't really he was, know. He was but, very vague on it. Right. But he said that, that all that stuff is extremely exciting as we go ahead. 
Mm-hmm. So okay. uh, yeah, so that was that was the event, and then of course everything concludes, and we get to the meet with a bunch of a bunch of people afterwards. Um, and it, it, once again, uh, better than D twenty three by far. And I haven't been to D twenty three since the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, have Have you been to any of the Destination D events? Or- uh, I've been to a Destination D event a couple of years ago, uh, okay. but I've never been to D twenty three. Okay, and how was that? Um, it was, it was, it was nice. Cause it was, I think it was, if I remember correctly, it was just, uh, just talks, uh, that kind of stuff where it was mm-hmm. uh, very similar to this, but I do imagine that being done through, uh, the, what is it? The Buena Vista society, Lake Buena Vista society technically. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and not like, gives, stuff, right? well, exactly. It gives them some more freedom to talk about things like, like these black box potentially, uh, VR attractions that haven't opened or, or oh, things so like you that. You actually get to talk to the people. Exactly right. Because everything else is... I mean, D23 nowadays is super different, right? It's almost mm-hmm. a press event more than it is uh, right, exactly. an actual expo. Yeah, so I, I think it, this just seems like it was for more for people who are interested in, in the history and the, the people and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I can imagine. Did Was it this was more enjoyable than D23. Do you think that it's like a suitable, of course D23 is a different thing nowadays, but that if somebody was offered the chance to go to either D23 or this event, that they should go to this event instead. And I think it would depend on what kind of fan you are. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, I would have to imagine that you're a fan of themed entertainment and kind of the more nerdier sides of it. So I would recommend this. Um, if you want to actually see movie stars, <laughs> and, oh, yeah, or, yeah it, it, then maybe you go to T twenty three, like you know, or cosplay and stuff like that, because nobody was cosplaying that this, right? You know, you know, somebody was wearing like the closest one. Somebody was wearing a, a dress of Epcot logos, and that was it. Like that's that's the closest that you got because that wasn't this kind of event. It's this was event for fans to learn about this kind of nerdy crap. <laughs> I think that's really important uh, as far as what this event has versus uh, like a, an official D23 event. Mm. So once again, Retro Magic was awesome. Um, cannot recommend it enough. Uh, and uh, I also got to go to Epcot for free, which was really cool. Uh, that's right. You did the free Epcot experience. <laughs> I did. I did. I, I took the monorail afterwards and I went around Epcot and I saw the big, that ship is really big, by the way. That, that, that. Oh, the one at the front of the Guardians? Guardians, yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? It doesn't look, I mean, it looks, I imagine that in, in, uh, in, in person, it's much bigger. It is much bigger in, in person, pe- for sure. Yeah. yeah. And okay. uh, do you know when you're going to go to ride Cosmic Ray Round? Do you know? Um, yeah, when Disney drops the entry price by like fifty five dollars. <laughs> uh, hopefully, I'd like to, I, to go soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I I've already spoiled myself a little bit on the. Uh, on the leaks and stuff like oh, that. I'll so. spoil myself. I don't uh, care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, that's kind of my thought. With theme park rides, it's like if I know I'm going soon, okay, maybe I'll like wait. But I, mm. I can't like hold my breath until magically a couple thousand dollars appear in my pocket. And it's like, right. oh, I can finally afford to stay at Disney World. Um, 
It's interesting that this was only a, a one day kind of experience. I think it would be very neat for them to, of course, because this is all done on like a amateur, like a fan budget, right? Know, because I imagine I, it would be very cool if they expanded it to multiple days. Right. But I can't imagine financially they can do it. Yeah. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that would be very difficult. I think that it's exciting that there's still, you know, groups of fans putting these things together. Mm-hmm. Um, not that the Disney community or anything is in, you know, is like in a, uh, uh, <laughs> is a complete mess and everyone hates each other, but <laughs> I, I uh, it was, it, yeah. was very, it was a very pure experience by uh, a community that surprisingly loves each other. And <laughs> that's, that's what it is at the end of the day. Yeah. Is that some, some really nice and really pure people put on, thing for for the fans to appreciate i mm-hmm. i wonder and obviously i know that i can talk for hours and hours about speculation but i wonder what these kind of fan conventions are going to look like 50 years from now you know when retro, the imagineers are magic 100 well you're right <laughs> like when, when the imagineers are well are i imagine people who were contracted for epcot 93 instead right. of well, they're going to be talking about it's like I remember when we were building Nemo and Friends. For- <laughs> <laughs> that was those are the days when they would really let us do anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways uh once again uh retro wdw uh dot com uh keep an eye on them uh they will hopefully be posting all these panels soon i cannot recommend uh watching them enough when they come out uh it is well worth it's probably going to be a good 10 hours of panels each one of them is worth watching so that that is a binge. That is a better binge than Stranger <laughs> Things season four coming up. <laughs> so definitely, definitely check that out. And um, also, I had a I had a good time at in Orlando and went. I uh, stayed at All Star Movies, which was interesting. I like All Star. <laughs> you know, I will. I will. This is uh, an obvious. Go. Oh, you see, you're gonna get me started. Um, mm. I, I stayed there recently. I thought All Star. Oh movies yeah. Is- what what, did you, what uh, building did you stay in? Uh, it was Fantasia. The Fantasia. Oh, I, stayed in Her- I stayed in Herbie the Love Bug. Is that one near that? I don't remember. It's right next to it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. All star movies. Like for the prices, the mm-hmm. Disney resorts. I, I, I could see staying there again. That's the one thing about like the Hilton esque rooms that Disney's doing recently. Is that for like when you're staying at the Contemporary, that's kind of annoying. But if you're staying at like a cheap resort, yeah, cheap is in big air quotes there. But a cheap resort, then you know you can't really complain. So like, yeah, was- it was fine. Like the room was smallish, but I was fine with it. It was cleaned, yeah. I got to I got to watch the uh, must do Disney loop, which was nice. Oh, jeez, <laughs> it's not the same without Stacy. <laughs> um, but I also got to go to SeaWorld and Bush Gardens. Uh, Bush Gardens overrode Iron Gwazi, which was amazing. One of my favorite new coasters on the planet. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, we do have another podcast to record that you will hear very, very soon. So uh, let's get a move on um, and end this one for now. In the meantime, please follow us on social media on Twitter at UnveilPod. You can reach me at Open Mother's Mail and Ryan Dorman at Open the Dorman. Feel free to email us at UnveilPod at gmail.com and rate us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Anchor, wherever you find this podcast. Please write a review and tell us how we're doing. And if you don't like us, thank you for listening to Retro WDW on Brian P. Miles. See you guys. 